Welcome to the Selfless Syndrome Show. This is episode 211. Ladies, I think you're really going to enjoy today's conversation because I am joined by New Zealander, Ollie Wood. He's got a great accent, but even more important than that, he has really powerful and impactful and insightful things to share around mindset, lifestyle change, and exercise. He's a former exercise, well, still is an exercise guru and guy himself, but who's been through a lot in his own journey and learned a lot through working with others um, with their the company he owns called Meta Project. And I really think it's going to give you more insight. It, it, it always helps me when other people share similar ideas to me, and, and he certainly does that. So we have a really fascinating and fantastic conversation coming up for you all around mindset, exercise, activity, and lifestyle change, and how to really make commitments to yourself that are sustainable and lasting and not you know, come out of the gate trying to run a sprint when really it's about a marathon. So enjoy. Welcome to the Selfless Syndrome Show, where we help women executives and entrepreneurs rise through adversity, connect to their intuition, transform their hormones, and get their energy back. This is the show where we go beyond asking, how do I treat my symptoms? And instead examine, how do I truly heal, transform my hormones, and change my life? We are here to bring you outside the box ideas, interviews, and action steps focused in the areas of health, relationships, and our career, all three of which have a huge impact on our hormones. My name is Dr. Alex Swenson Ridley. I'm your host, mentor, speaker, author, entrepreneur, and thought leader on hormones and work life balance for high achieving women. I'm also a wife, mom, and stepmom to four boys and a furball. And I'm a woman whose own life experience and journey from adversity and the resulting hormonal chaos to finding hormonal harmony has led to me helping other women break with convention and find the tools they need to not just survive, but thrive. Ready to dive in? Let's go. Hello, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Alex Bunsen Ridley. I'm excited to be joined today by Ollie Wood. It's been a minute since we've had a male on the show, but I always enjoy when I have a different perspective coming and sharing in our community and for us. And who Ollie is, is he got started in business, in the business world after seven years as an independent personal trainer. And as he started online, he rapidly built a company to over 15 staff in his mid-20s, helping thousands of clients upgrade their body, energy, and productivity through a four-step system that he is going to share a little bit about today. And his unique perspective of running both a multi-seven-figure company and understanding the behavioral nuances of what truly makes health habits stick after working with thousands of clients has allowed him to create his own category in the health market of working with busy professionals. And I get the feeling that that's what we're going to talk about today. So, Ollie, I know there's more to your story, but welcome to the show. We can just I'm sorry to be on it. Thanks so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so there's, you know, I love this idea of the nuances of what healthy behavior really is and, you know, the world of, of being driven, which it sounds like you definitely are. And the women who listen to the show are in our own ways as well. Um, so I like to just, you know, kind of hear a little bit of of your story and, and maybe we can start with like, what should, what created the shift from personal training into what you do today? Cause it sounds like there's some more layers to yeah, absolutely. It's definitely been a development process. I think for me, you know, I started off as any old PT does. I was just a hyperactive kid doing every sport under the sun. So it was rowing, rugby, polo, um, rock climbing, like everything, right? And understanding the nuances of every single one of those sports, you look at it from the outside, you know, like, oh, you just got to kick a goal or you got to ride a horse or, you know, whatever that looks like. But when you dive deep, there's always nuance. And I think for me, that just allowed an ego check very quickly to be able to understand that everything that I needed, that I wanted to be good at and required a level of mastery around the skill, right? Understanding how to do it properly. So when I dove into the personal training space after actually going to uni for more of a commerce or business degree, uh, I hired my first coach at like 18, right? It was more of like, a, do I pay for food this week or rent or do I hire a coach, right? And I kind of went the coach route. <laughs> Um, and it was very much getting an idea of I'm either going to pay in time or money, so I might as well accelerate this process to make sure I'm not wasting the next 10 years to learn this properly. Um, from a female side of things, um, you know, when I started in the triathlon space, I actually started alongside my mom, and she absolutely loved the space, got straight back into exercise, and I think that really still now anchors a space of 
you know, her reigniting some level of like movement and challenge in her day that really like lifted up her energy. And I saw that a ton, but a couple of years after doing it, right, I was a typical 16, 17 year old kid, just eat, eating whatever, turning up to the race and kind of doing okay. But I started to see her, you know, missing certain meals, her recovery was terrible and just starting to see like, everyone's not going through this the same way, right? Um, mm-hmm. From a diet standpoint, not every diet's going to work for, for everyone, but not not one diet's going to work for me or her all of the time, right? So seeing how that had to change over time, seeing the the new things and fads and, you know, all that we know now that aren't particularly helpful with like, clearly there's something more happening here, right? So that was really a planted seed very early on, you know, hormonally something's going on and clearly I'm not getting that. So when we moved into a personal training space, you know, working with my own coaches, really doubling down on exercise, uh, I, I quickly built up a company around, uh, you know, working with with high high functioning driven individuals in a business and corporate space, and we were maximizing every aspect of training. Right, we're looking at how they moved, the progression of training over time. But a couple of years into that, I started to realize I was working with less than five percent of the actual picture because everyone was walking through with so much stress and inflammation that. There was no ability to recovery or capacity to actually, you know, get the results out of the workout. And just ticking the box of did you sweat today didn't actually fix the, the issue. All right. So for me, it was very much an exploratory. How do I actually make this process better? Because if I'm going to charge for a service, I want to make sure it's world class. So that really became a you know a decade long uh, journey up until now. And I'm sure it'll be another couple of t- decades long is taking the time to look at all these areas that I really need to explore. All right. It went from a a hundred percent training conversation to a you know thirty percent nutrition, seventy percent training. Now it became fifty percent training, fifty percent lifestyle design, and just understanding the psychological aspects and the hormonal aspects and the gut health and and, and or digestive aspects of what's happening, and and realizing that every single one, and you know this, every single direction there is another ten year degree, right? So taking the time to look at this in a way of how can I build and and develop a system that allows them to go through the sequence in the right order for them so they actually feel like their body's working on their side right so knowing that i every personal trainer right starts with knowing a couple things and being very loud about knowing a couple things but the more you learn the more you realize you don't know so it became a space for me to you know naturally build online because the constraints within a gym simply couldn't provide the service I wanted to provide, right? So as we moved online, we brought in our mindset specialists, we dove deep into psychological change, we brought in our clinical nutritionists and diving deeper into that digestive aspect, the blood work aspect, like really understanding at a cellular level what's going on. And it started to allow us to get an idea of in what order does someone really need to create um, a game plan or, or start creating change through the right steps, right? So as we talked about before today, we started today was how do we take the time to tune in take bring awareness to the self-judgment the self-doubt the the comparison whatever is getting in the way and actually causing a huge amount of stress before we've even started the game because the unfortunate reality is reality is that most people start with uh, a level of pain that actually finally motivates them to get started but if they're only ever using that as their driver then it always comes from a level of judgment, a guilt, whatever that negative emotion is, that it becomes very challenging to make something happen long term, right? So it really just changed everything. Training is absolutely still part of our picture. And I think if you can optimize that, we know we're making the most of um, your 20 minutes in the gym. Uh, But taking the time to look at all the other components to really fit that piece of the puzzle uh, allowed us to really get to where we are today and just try and make sure that we allow we we build and construct a system that allows us to work with you in that age and stage of life in the right order and just get your body back on your side. So happy to dive in any part of that you like. Yeah, no, I love so many things about what you said because, you know, I find for myself, I'm, I actually didn't share with you. I'm a former marathon runner and, you know, like yeah. I've definitely gone through the experience of I trained for and I actually got injured. So I didn't complete a half Ironman, but I have done, you know, went down the triathlon route too and all the like, push yourself really hard and all this yeah. stuff. And I, I think, you know, especially high achieving women, like high achievers in general, this is, you know, maybe this conversation isn't specific to women completely, but it, we tend to approach everything with like all or nothing, right? It's like, you know, I'm going to kill myself in the gym or I'm not getting a workout or, yep. and, and there's not this time and space. And what I've really learned, cause I, you know, personally, and I, I just speak to this cause I know a lot of women in this, who listened to this have probably gone down this road. I hit this point where like, I literally lost my inner willpower. It was like, I, I physically, mentally, emotionally, like could not push myself. And so I essentially haven't worked out. I've 
this whole past year, I finally gotten back into what we call functional fitness, which I think is what you're talking about, where there's, it's like, it's just a part of life. It's not like you're training for an event or, a, you know, like beating your body into submission over because <laughs> you think you should, or you're supposed to look a certain way or any of that. It's, it's moving towards like just having being active, be part of my day um, and my, my daily life. But finding that inner peace first. So I guess my first question is like, what have you found specific knowing that who's listening to the show are, you know, more women in their kind of transitionary stage of life in their forties and fifties. Like what do we need to focus on first? What, what is the order? And I, I know it's probably individual, but it totally. goes beyond. Like, I want to look at it through life. two lenses, right? Like the yeah. first one I think is through that mindset lens you just mentioned, which I think is a really important part. Like, what are you really trying to achieve? Because if you're trying to get back to your 20-year-old body, it's not going to happen. If we're trying to build the best 45 or 55-year-old version of yourself, then that seems like a much better goal because we look at it through a very different lens. We don't look at it through the the measurements and judgments of a 20-year-old body. We actually start to get an idea of how is that woman going to show up, right? What's the 2.0 of Alex? And what is that? Re- what's the driver behind that? Because it's probably not a weight on the scales. It's probably to do with how you look and feel in your own clothes, how you show up, you feel strong, you get out of bed without something cracking and popping. (laughs) Like getting an idea of that being a really good driver as to the consistency and the self-compassion as to why you exercise rather than it being a crack the whip, let's get this done, right? And I think that's a really important shift, making sure it's something I get to do, not something I have to do. And that just just changes the entire journey. And as you said, you're doing a... um, a 12-month journey with clients. We have a, uh, a similar uh, you know, structure and, and we've had clients stick around for two, three, four years at this point. And it's simply because we're able to make that transition from you came into this beating yourselves up around why you need to change. Let's start with that and really create true change through not just self-acceptance because we do want to create change, not just like I'm good where I am, <laughs> but making sure that there's a space of how do we do it in a way that is self-compassionate, right? Because at the end of the day, especially as a high-performer, self-compassionate people are more resilient, right? If you're beating yourself up in your own head, you it's not going to help, <laughs> right? Like if you can really be your own best um, support and and backing and, and how you check in and talk to yourself is going to be a huge part of that. So I think that's a, a massive first lens of how do we create real change. The second part is, you know, if you are going through those transitional stages, and you probably talk to this all the time, Alex, is um, if we're going through perimenopause or we're starting to see these shifts menopause it, from a, a hormonal standpoint, all of these cascading adjustments are happening, right? And if we're going through that transition, it tends to show us, if we're just going to look through a nutritional lens, how we fuel our day is going to be different, right? And there's so much research around that space of um, if, if well, if, if hormones are changing around, we're seeing a huge amount of um, shifts in how our body is going to fuel the day, right? And we're, there was a, I can't remember the name of the study the other day, but they were going through how, the brain is basically eating itself if we're eating like we were when we we're 20 on more of a high carbohydrate type diet because we're simply not able to access that fuel. We're not able to fuel the brain with a higher carbohydrate type space. So the goal is not potentially not going full ketogenic. And I, and I don't think going that drastic is particularly helpful, but getting to a space where we may be transitioning to uh, um, a higher protein and fats breakfast, especially, right? And and again, I'm unaware of your views in the space, but what we tend to find is in a in a a lot of women are getting to a point where their body is not working like it used to. So they're exploring keto, they're expro- exploring more drastic measures. They're fasting for 16, 18 hours a day, right? And they're not fueling their body. And I think if there's one way to theme this to simplify how we approach nutrition for for women is support, don't force. Like, what are we doing to just simplify how we fuel the day, get the nutrients to actually operate? Because the amount of women, I'd say it's 70, 80% of the women we work with are malnourished, they're not eating enough, and how they move is very much focused on forcing things to change and sweat rather than actually providing a, a... a strong building block for actually feeling good on a day-to-day basis. So there's a whole lot of things we can unpack there, but I think going through that transition, creating real change is something that I think women do really well with, especially compared to men. There's a, a proactiveness behind it typically, but it really truly is a place that you need to start with you with the the mindset you're bringing to the approach because if you're just looking for the next fair diet you're looking in the wrong area right ask better questions mm-hmm. you get better answers and now we can have a conversation of like getting your body feeling great first and fat loss or whatever the goal is becomes a byproduct of things actually working well yeah 
Okay. There's so many things that you just said that we're going to back. <laughs> I'm getting yeah. all excited over here. Um, so, you know, my view and I, it's interesting because I, I come from a very, you know, more paleo background, but like personally, I went gluten, dairy and sugar free when I was 20 and found I felt better. And so yeah. I've eaten that way and I'm, you know, almost 38. So this is almost 20 years that I've just been eating that way because it feels better. And somewhere in the last five years, it stopped feeling good. And it stopped working. And so like so many women, even though I'm overly educated and, you know, dealing with my own imposter syndrome on that version of things, you know, it's like you try to cut more carbs and you try to like do the intermittent fasting thing. And I found it just screwed me up more because mm-hmm. we inevitably don't eat enough. And we're so focused, like there's so much energy and brain power that is going into these diets that aren't like you said they're not supporting the body and so you know you end up frustrated but like the the women i meet that you know some of them i think overeating is still a thing around certain meals or because we eat so little during the day that then we binge to death on stuff let's touch on that for a second alex because the biggest thing i look at there is it's very really to do with hunger isn't it right it's yeah maybe you know the classic it's boredom it's stress it's whatever else but if we're going to really simplify it, it's a lack of self-compassion in your day right it's yeah. not fitting you in during the day it's under fueling under eating all of these things and we get to the end of the day and we try fix it we, we try make up and whether it's end of day it's a friday night saturday that sort of thing right it's the end of day if you feel like there's a craving binging happening there's a lack mm-hmm. of front loading happening in your day and it doesn't just come from food yeah yeah exactly and so that's where, like you asked, you didn't know what my you know stance on this is. I've had women who've been really successful with intermittent fasting. It's something, you know, I read all the research and whatnot. Here's the deal. They eat. <laughs> it's like during their feeding window, which I think is a weird term, but their eating window, they consume the same amount of food that they would. Like they are eating a significant, you know, their meals are huge. And that's what helps. And everyone's a little different. So, you know, I, I think like what you said, it's really shifting out of that you know, and it's really, it's a restrictive and like deprivation mindset. And we need to shift out of that to, Hey, how do I feel my body? So it feels good. Yeah. Just getting away from the whole like dieting, dieting phase. And then what is it? Reverse dieting phase. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, uh, these medals here from that side (laughs) uh, from the bodybuilding, uh, from bodybuilding shows. Right. So I had, I had a background for about six years where I, you know, I was focusing on building as much muscle as possible and having as little body fat as possible as like there. So um i absolutely know that world like i know what that looks like i know what it looks like in a good way and a bad way and i actually ironically found that i it was a much better shape felt much better recovered much better actually following the same approach of let's address sleep and stress and like actually having the body working well and then this whole nutrition training game just works so much better so even if you are looking at it through like a drastic lens like that uh, i did it the wrong way and i actually started to learn over time like tuning in all of these things mm-hmm. still apply so it's not just uh, I'm trying to find a balance here, but you know, trying to make sure that this isn't just a conversation about supporting uh, a li- where you are currently in self-acceptance. Like, if you truly want to change, this is also the best outcome, right? And if you're looking to lose mm-hmm. 20, 30, 40 pounds, this really still truly works better than anything else because you're getting your body back on your side. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a big thing. You know, I know um, for myself, I had the experience of I woke up one day and none of my pants fit, and like they yeah. fit me a, a week before, and it. I took me on a journey of learning a lot, but you know, the big thing was I had some estrogen imbalance, which was entirely due to stress. And mm-hmm. I had to go on this journey of, of figuring all that out. But like, I forgot where I was going with this, you know, I, Oh, betrayal. So it's like, as, as a woman, I think women, like men probably experience this too, but like, we literally feel betrayed by our bodies because it's like, we're, you know, we're hammering them. We're working so hard. We're doing all the things that we're supposed to do, which we're essentially telling you that none of those things actually work right now. <laughs> Just call it what it is. Um, it's not that they don't work. It's that we're missing some key pieces with it. Yeah. And, so for women, it happens over, you know, as you know, it's like a yeah. five to nine year period. For men, it tends to happen over like a 20 year period. So it definitely yeah. happens, but it's a gradual thing. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, watching my, I have all boys in my house, so I have four four sons and a husband so like they just yeah. decide they're going to do something different and then like the weight falls off right and it's like women yeah. we have these nuances with you know not only like our thought processes and all that but also how we you know process stress is different how we like the the self-talk and the societal and cultural standards we hold ourselves to are kind of running the show and making things harder i would say um so 
moving past betrayal and how how do you see or you know is this so a lot of what I talk about is learning to cultivate trust with ourselves again and you know finding that inner like safety guidance because most of us don't feel safe in our bodies especially if you're in a place of you know I call it hormonal chaos you know dealing with your thyroid's off and your sex hormones are tanking and you know you are moody and either put on weight and can't figure out how to get it off like I did or you know have been pushing yourself super hard with diets or exercise or any of that like where do you see clients start to cultivate that trust again what are the steps I think a really important part of it to address is looking at through the lens of um we need to be willing to be bad before we can be good. And what I mean by that is we just don't give ourselves a reasonable time to be good at something, right? Like we expect mm-hmm. to be good from day one. We expect it to change. Yeah. And if it's been a hormonal issue, um, I'm not sure what sort of measurement you use here, but I think it's a really nice lens is we have so many women come through that say, look, I've had this issue for 15 years. I'm like, well, let's reverse this at least the amount of years that you've had this issue. Let's reverse that in months. And let's just start with that as a nice way to look at it. So that you're looking at this over 12 months. You're not looking at this over, you know, 12 days. Um, (laughs) and we start to look at different measurements right like if we're just looking at the scale weight that's not gonna be particularly beneficial Uh, I can get you to drop body fat by you know you having salmonella right like it's not a quality (laughs) metric of dropping body fat Um, taking the time to actually fuel the body make adjustments build some muscle tissue maybe look at things functioning well the energy side of things just allowing things to work well and explore the feeling and being confident in that being the goal. And that absolutely, as you mentioned before, is uh, an adjustment of the goal from the start to make sure you actually see it follow through. So an example of that might be, hey, I'm going to run every day, right? Uh, That's my goal. I'm really motivated to do it. You know, and six weeks later, I'm running every day. You know, well done. I've now got sore joints. I'm not really motivated to exercise and I'm not really feeling like this is a long-term solution. It's because the goal shouldn't be the running every day. That's simply an out. It's one of the methods to get there. The goal was really you want to feel awesome every day. You want to, you're close to fit great and you want to have the energy to, you know, keep going. So if we make that the goal and we really anchor in a feeling and emotional attachment behind the goal, one, if we have that emotional attachment, it means that we're not logically talking ourselves into a goal, which means we can logically talk ourselves out. <laughs> but two, we can also anchor in a feeling and then be flexible on the approach. And when we do that, we're able to explore. I'm just going to focus on you know how I feel on certain foods, tuning in to what I'm eating and how I'm feeling and all of these things as being one method of a better routine, a daily habit that I can tick off, right? A tiny habit that sets up my morning that allows me to give myself a reasonable amount of time to be good at something. And I think when we start there, it allows us to look at the the little hill rather than the Mount Everest and really start to build up those wins. Because a lot of this comes back down, as you said, as a a breaking down of what we think we know. And when we get to that point, we have very very little confidence in our own body and what that can really do for us. So the only way we're going to get that back is by chipping away at getting those small wins back. We're not going to shoot for the big mountain and and continue to fall to the bottom. We need to build those up slowly. So the whole approach really changes there because we're no longer starting with a, you know, let's just change your entire diet and training routine today. It has to be perfect for four weeks and you're going to drop this weight. We're going to start with a simple stepping stone of let's just start with a 10-minute walk. And are you actually starting the day with you or are you diving straight into emails or whatever that looks like? Are you hydrating, right? Or are you starting your day with coffee? Like I think all of those just became a really, really cool way to look at health in a more long-term lens, a more self-compassionate lens, and more truly aligned with the goal you're probably starting the journey on. Yeah, absolutely. And I love unpacking it from there. You know, this was something my nine-year-old decided to answer the phone right in front of me while we're recording for, for those listening. But he is the the topic of this. You know, I, I had this experience of um, he really likes to watch the show The Floor is Lava, right? Which requires some, I don't know if you've seen it. I don't know if they have, you know, that on Netflix <laughs> in New Zealand. But it's, it's essentially like an obstacle course and you need some physical strength in order to survive. Yep. And if you, you know, screw up then you fall in the lava and you die no no not literally but um you know we were watching it and he looked at me he goes mom i don't think you would make it through floor's lava like we just watched him the mom kind of fall off right right away and i was like you know kind of like my hackles went up i'm like why 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 would you say that he's like well you're just not athletic and i'm like what the heck kid like i'm one of the most athletic women i know but you know it got me to really self-reflect because who he knows me as like he 
who he remembers his like burnt out mom who really hasn't been an athlete or you know I I've I didn't share I've, I've had on the show the, they know I had a lot of wrist issues I've had two wrist surgeries from my chiropractic career and so it's yep. been a lot of like oh mommy can't do that you know mommy mommy can't do this and but what I connected to was like that's really not me and I'm not okay with that and so now it, it's shifted my mm. perspective of like I've been getting back into shape but it's like you know not like I need to be in shape to do Flores Lava or anything but but like I want to be the mom who's active and fit and can keep up with him and like do the things that he wants to do and and feel good doing it. And that is the key. And so like, how do mm-hmm. I start to, you know, and I, I think for so many of us, it's we're pushing ourselves as we've, you know, been, I feel like we've been reiterating this, but you can never hear anything too many times in my opinion is, you know, we're pushing ourselves to be some ideal or out of, you know, because we feel like this is what we're supposed to do or what we're supposed to look like or any of this, instead of really connecting to what's at the heart of it for us and, you know, forming that emotional commitment first. Well, I think one lens you can look through there as well is most people are stuck in a space of the the dog on the nail, right? Like they're moaning because mm-hmm. it's uncomfortable, but it's not enough pain in order to change. And until you hear a phrase there that becomes the oh, that's, uh, you've just summarized me in a way that I'm not happy with. And it becomes a way to really reflect in a very simple way uh, what I tolerate and what I don't. And I think asking yourself that question is really helpful because I think and most of us, because we've got so much on, we tend to fall into indecision as being our main decision, right? We just don't change it, right? Because it's too hard to actually face a shift in our current reality. And until we take the time to see something really, truly uncomfortable, we don't change. Um, so, you know, jumping on podcasts like this, listening to Alex, taking the time to um, develop the awareness of what you truly want to build and grow out of your life. I think it's an important part of just reassessing what you tolerate and what you really, truly want. Because if there is someone close to you, like your kids or partner that say something that really doesn't sit with you, it can really get under the skin because like that's not what I think of myself, but you're seeing that. So what needs to change? I think it's really, really powerful. And I see it really often as being a trigger to change. Yeah. Yeah. And I see it both being a trigger to change and it also can be a trigger to a lot of frustration and just like throwing it in the top. Yep. I mean, I totally go down that route too. And so, it's, mm. you know, and, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, how connected we are to our, to our inner selves. So that, that was another thing I was going to bring up that I talk about a lot. You know, we're so disconnected. It's like, you yep. were talking about how do certain foods make me feel? I mean, most of the women I meet are like, what are you talking about? Cause I'm like shoveling food in my mouth in the car between activities or whatever it is and you know i i used to do more of a functional medicine approach with my clients and and bring them through like an elimination process and you know all this and do we get results yes but the the bigger point of that is exploring your relationship to yourself yep with the food because <laughs> there's so many layers to that um so yeah we find a, that you say a that. bit of a balance there right because it's a yeah Part of that is we need to have some sort of quick win in order to gain the confidence that we've just talked about in order to look right. at this long term. So it is absolutely balanced because, you know, I love to talk about clients that are working with us for 12 months, but something I've become hyper aware of in the last two years as we built out our 12-month program alongside our 16-week was, okay, <laughs> we've signed up for 12 months and now they're farting around for three or four weeks because we've got so much time on their hands, right? And it's like, well, in order to make 12 months truly effective, I want to make sure that you're still getting a quick win in those first two weeks in a way that isn't detrimental to your long-term outcome, but also allows you to re-engage, right? Really commit to the process. Um, I think it's a it's really a fine balance between the two. But you know, that's why with all of our clients, a, a big place to start is, you know, once they get access to our platforms, we simply get them to take a photo of every meal for two weeks and add how they feel. Right. And it's just an awareness of if you are taking food of what uh, taking a photo of what you're eating, you just become so much more aware because even you picking up something, getting out of the fridge, putting it on the plate and eating it, that simple act of then taking a photo, be like, oh, that's on my plate just brings up so much for so many people, right? And I think it's a, a brilliant experiment whether you're brand new to making dietary adjustments or you've been doing it forever and sometimes more important when you've been doing it forever because you can really start to analyze like this has become a habit, an ingrained habit that I haven't questioned for so long and that's why it's damaging, right? Um, so I think it's just a really cool way to look at that in a very different lens. I really like that. That's a great idea because I know a lot of my clients like struggle with the idea and this is leading into the next question I have because I get it all the time. But um, 
you know, like food, food journals are a pain. They take time. They're, you know, annoying. You can take a picture on your phone <laughs> yeah. and just like make a note. So I love that. That's a great idea. But, and you know, that leads into my next question. Cause I just came off of a group call with my, my clients before we got on this and, you know, we're, this isn't going to come out for a little while, but we're around the holiday season when we're talking about this. So they're all overwhelmed. And it's like the things that are falling off are their workouts and, you know, their eating schedules or they're eating what, what they're eating is all out the window. And so I'm curious for you, like what advice do you have to the high performer and the driven person who is doing all the things (laughs) like, how do you interrupt your process enough to start to make some of these changes? Um, that we're talking about because it does you know it takes something in the beginning you gotta learn something new yeah it's a it's a really interesting space it's a really tough space i had like an hour and a half conversation with two uh uh, health coaches yesterday um that actually run certifications for this stuff right and we just nerded out on behavior change for like an hour and a half talking about this exact topic and i think if i was to summarize it it would really be coming back to the i i get to i don't have to and if you really align with that, that's really something that's in line with your values, with what you really, how you want to show up, then it really becomes a conversation of being the conscious chooser, right? I think that we start to put everything into the automatic category. We must do this. We have to turn up to this, all of these obligations that fill our day. And we haven't taken the time to realize that if we're not here, that all gets given to somebody else. We need to take care of us first. And, you know, that sounds really easy to say, yeah, Ollie, good to hear. But like, what are you doing to block in you on your calendar? Because if all I can see from your calendar is your work, that's why it's getting pushed, right? Like block in the walk, block in lunch, block in your date night, like whatever it is to really make sure that you are filling your cup, you are front loading your day for you, whether that be joy, energy, like those are the two areas I really see being an area that the season should be about and that is completely left off the list, right? So the whole point of a celebration season is connection with family and yourself or taking the time to recalibrate for what that looks like in the new year. Yet what we've made it about is being a very commercial way of buying more presents and turning up to more events. And it's just another way to disconnect with the world or disconnect with us in order to be part of the world. So I think looking at it through that lens of being the conscious chooser, it does not mean that you can't drink at all. But being the conscious chooser means that you have one or two and you choose not to have the third. You choose not to have the box of beers because you started, right? And I think there's a big difference, especially in the high-performing space, is we tend to have this all-or-nothing attitude of, all like, I've got to be 100 or zero. And I end up being zero more often because I just slip up and I keep going down that route. So when we become the conscious chooser, we get awareness of choosing something out of the choice rather than the convenience of it we start to get a lot more aware of how we can stay on track and just feel more in control. It's like every other day, it's just a new month. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I would argue this applies at all times of the year, but there's just something about this time of the year. <laughs> like yeah. you said, you know, it's, it's a way to be even more disconnected. And I love that term conscious chooser. You know, something I talk about is um, the concept of Einstein time. I don't know if you're familiar with this. It's no. Uh, Gay Hendricks writes about it in The Big Leap, but it's in other places too. But, you know, it's based on Einstein's theory of relativity, which says literally time is relative. So rather than, you know, our Newtonian concept is there's a finite time amount of time and you either have enough or you don't. But in Einstein time, it literally it's a choice. In any given moment, you are choosing and creating what you're doing. Yeah, I found it really helpful lately with uh, getting clients to do a time audit, right? And the first thing Mm -hmm. that always comes up, and I love it because I can just dive in, is um, I'm going to get you to do a time audit of every 30 minutes of your entire day and tell me what you're doing there. Or even 15 minutes, let's dive in a bit more. And the first thing they always say is, I don't have time. I'm like, exactly. (laughs) Take (laughs) the time to get an idea of what you're filling the day with. Because we've all heard the phrase, you know, we all have the same amount of time. But if we start to get an idea and whatever level of, you know, what level of success or what you deem being successful, if we use a monetary term, when we look at someone like Bill Gates or whatever, it's not that they have more time. It's simply that they're more leveraged in their activities. Right. And, you know, he's famous for sitting and reading books for hours a day. Right. So clearly it's not like running around doing all of the stuff. So taking the time to look at it through the lens of actually proactively looking at what you're filling your day with, how are you showing up for you? And then the the things that you choose to actually lock in on that day are going to be very different. And I think it's just taking it through the lens of, you know, if we're truly going to look at it through the lens of simply productivity, we have to first have the capacity to be productive. And that's how we need to, you know, that allows us to start with a more proactive mindset and how we set up the week. 
And if you're just starting Monday and seeing what ends up on your calendar, of course, it's going to end up that way. But if you're pre-framing something and you're just doing the one thing every day for you or once a week, you know, me putting a massage on a Wednesday when I know it's a flat out week, I get to that massage and I've just I finally decompressed. I finally just get a moment for me. And I guarantee it makes an absolute difference to how I choose my food options on a Friday night because I haven't just burnt the candle from both ends and now I'm trying to catch up. Yeah. Love that. So ladies listening, selfless syndrome totally applies to guys too in this context. But you know, something that's been a shift for me, and I'm just going to share this for listeners and for anyone that it, it makes sense to, you know, when I made the shift from having a busy chiropractic office, going to work all the time, being there 12 hours a day, typically working through my lunch break, even though I scheduled the two to three hour break in between like, my morning and afternoon shifts, I always managed to work through it. Like when I shifted from that to working from home and homeschooling, and I honestly, you know, don't leave my house or take off my sweatpants most days, um, it, it afforded me the opportunity. I know not everyone has the, the opportunity to do that, but what it brought up for me was the shift from like always having to be on and always having to be doing something and recognizing that those moments that I take to read a book or I have this really weird daily habit that I share often, but I, I typically do it at a coffee enema at some time during my day. And I found like, I really have this, like, it's this reset that I need and having that flexibility to say like, this is what I need right now mm-hmm. actually makes me more productive. And I get more done <laughs> than if I were just, you know, powering through like I'm writing a book right now and I was I was talking to one of my clients and she's like how do you do all that and I mean writing something that just kind of comes to me but I actually don't spend hours every day writing I really like dive in when I'm mentally like in the zone and then it just floats I'm like boom 20 pages there we go I'd love to get your thoughts on that because you know yeah. in the creative space uh, we saw this initially through lockdowns, right? And it was a really interesting way to see with a lack of structure, people just floundered, right? Like they didn't have yeah. their own personal structure that as soon as they got rid of a work nine to five structure, they're just like, what do I do with my day? I feel so much less productive. So in that space of you trying to be creative, I'd love to know if you know there's a space where you you go feeling and you get an idea of if you're in the zone or not but i'm assuming there's going to be some some bumpers kind of starter end of day to really like okay alex is going to do this first so i'm in the right mindset i feel uh, focused i feel energetic i've moved for me whatever what does that look like for you because yeah. that, usually that becomes a nice way to look at it in regards to finding a balance between like freedom within discipline is what we call it yeah yeah and that's a good way to look at it and i i think you know who i am and i've always been i'm probably someone with an insane amount of discipline um and certain things but like you know some of my big shifts are like how i wake up is important i do not check email i do not check social media yep. i usually read something that's you know inspiring uplifting to me i i have the flexibility to structure my day so that i get this was part of the conversation i had a a mom who's some plays hockey. So they're having to get up at, you know, 420 in the morning, most days of the week. And like, that's just rough yeah. for everybody. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I have some freedom and flexibility, but it's, it's like creating the space to win. Cause I could totally, I used to, you know, have a bunch of fires to put out before I even got out of bed and into the shower in the morning. So, mm. and it, it, it's figuring out also what works for you. Like no one can rec- that replicate Alex's. Totally. Works for me, it has to work for you. So, yeah, but you like, know, setting yourself up to win the day and whatever that looks like and whatever you need to do to make that happen. Like, I share a lot. I don't do dishes at night. I cook dinner. The dishes wait till morning. I don't care. <laughs> like, it doesn't, I don't have any attachment to what my kitchen looks like when I go to bed. Um, you know, there's, I've been able to let go of some of those things and i think that's one of the things like we can keep ourselves really busy on a bunch of stuff that actually doesn't matter and just make that yeah i like that yeah yeah you've got a bit of time a day to do it do it yeah yeah yeah. even in that morning routine right um well that's what i like to do them because it's like a nice way to like just kind of zone out and like wake up and do dishes and move yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the other part that i i like from that is you know if you're if even if it's not the you know i've got the first hour of the day to me in the morning even if you take your kid to hockey or whatever it might be sports wise there's probably a space where you're sitting on the sideline waiting for them to finish where you could read the book do the breathing do something right where it's it's still a very intentional focus and we've all got to we can it's all very easy to be like well that's nice for you alex right but there's right, absolutely yeah. opportunity for you in the morning and usually it's the morning because there's less variables to play with as the day goes on there's more variables that we usually have to navigate so whatever that looks yeah. like for your morning even if it's a four o'clock start there is absolutely a way to find a way to fit you back in 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's a, you know, it requires some creativity and that's where a lot of us are, you know, we're so living in our heads and just like the lists and the things we have to do and the disconnect. Mm. We don't have the creative space to be like, how do I actually, you know, enjoy my life inside of whatever, you know, time constraints I have between work or kids activities or whatever. Yeah. So it's tapping back into that. But yeah, I don't know if you have any insights on. No, I'm probably. Any of that more? Weird, but I, I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So let's kind of recap and see if there's anything else we want to add to this discussion. Cause I knew it was going to be exciting and good. So it's, uh, it's always good, but you know, we, we've talked about the shift from and, and this is something like i'll just put it this way because this is how i talk about it but it's shifting from like all the stuff to do to first getting clear on like why you're doing it and what you really want to create right like that's the mindset piece and in there and so like allowing the space for that we've talked about that we've talked about some of the key components of you know the emotional connection to creating change um some of the crazy things that we do that aren't actually helpful in terms of the diet culture and the you know, and I would argue that the exercise culture is as well. You know, I've had clients that I've really challenged them to like, do you have to do spin every day? You can do something. And they're like, no, I can go for a walk or I can, I can do this or that. Like having flexibility in how you exercise is something maybe we could dive into. Um, and then we talked about time. Anything else? No, I think we're the, lacking? Underlying, <laughs> the underlying theme, and I wrote this down uh, yesterday uh, after watching a core review of one of our coaches was, I think the theme, especially for high-functioning women in this space, is the self-judgment around not doing as much as we wish we had is the reason we don't do more. Yeah, and I think if you just look at that through that lens, and 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 the quote, the sort of quote I used earlier in the piece around um, the the most resilient people are the ones that are self-compassionate. I think just allows you to look at it a very different way. And if we can take the time to check in with that voice in our head. It's not the, as our mindset coach said the other day, it's not the first voice that matters, it's the second, right? Like, what do we follow that up with? When you have the, I can't, or I don't have time, or I don't have the energy, what's the second voice that comes through? Is it like, yeah, he's right? Or is it, no, I can do this, you know, or I've got the time, I'll make it 10 minutes, I'll have it, but I'll get it done. And it just allows you to look at it through a very different light. And I think if we find that balance between compassion to make sure that we are actually being our own best friend is yeah. huge. So much yeah. easier said than done, but we need to address it. And then two, taking the time to then address the voice in our head. You know, we can talk about it not being the driver, but very much just a suggestion and taking the time to look at it as how do we then navigate life from those thoughts? Because we we try to bring it to be real and physical from the outside. But as you said, we really do need to tune in a little bit more to make sure if we are going to create that change, what are we tolerating? What do we need to remove first? But then two, how are we going to approach this in a way that we are actually building ourselves along the way? It's something we're leaning into because it actually feels good for us rather than an external force. And when we create that, we have an internal driver that keeps burning rather than having to be ignited by some external flame. Yeah. I'm just processing that. That was really, really great. Ladies, you might want to write this down. <laughs> you know, it's, it's totally getting into that. And, you know, I could go off on a tangent on neuroscience and neuroplasticity and how all of this stuff, you know, works, which yeah. with some of my clients I do because I'm just a nerd. But um, that self-compassion, it's, it's such a big deal. And I know like every woman listening to this show, we are all our own worst critics and men might do it too i don't think it's really to the extent that women can really yeah i don't know i beat ourselves up i think there's a there's a whole different level you know the the big one that i notice a lot because we do work with men and women but it very much is in the business owner entrepreneurial space is typically women are going to let us know that there's a problem men are going to put their head in the sand until they think it's over and i still haven't quite understood that part (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, it does it does center from the same spot which is there's a self-judgment or a i'm not willing yeah. my, willing to be bad before i can be good it really does come from the same plus once i finally get the men to open up <laughs> i just don't understand why they approach it so differently <laughs> yeah yeah i don't either there's there is some like brain chemistry and you know compartmentalization yeah. versus whatever but yeah yeah so great well how can um i guess you could maybe share briefly around what it is that you because i know you have kind of an online thing i'm guessing you're international where 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, for us, um, you know, I'm based in New Zealand. Most of our team are across New Zealand, Australia, um, but we've got clients across um, usually the uh, west coast of um, Canada and US because the east coast mm-hmm. is, as you know, kind of the opposite time zone. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we very much have a mix that works great with the western um, side of the US because it's kind of there after work. But um, to give you a little bit more idea, idea of like our approach, you know, I think it ties in beautifully to what we're talking about today. Uh, we call it the R4 method. We break it down into a four-step um, phase through what that looks like. R1 for us is very much, as we've talked about today, simplifying where to focus, right? It's our reset. Mm-hmm. The goal here, I think, as a bigger discussion is we're trying to sift through the 99% to find what's actually accurate for this, you know, for for, and I think that's a hard part, right? Like we've got to get yeah. through the fluff to find what's actually accurate. But the second step that nearly is required is what's now relevant, right? Because what was accurate for you when you were 20 to what's relevant for you now is going to be different. And I think really tailoring it to that age and stage of life is exactly where we need to start. And it just simplifies your whole journey. You've likely got a really busy day. So it's just knowing what that first step is to take. Now, a lot of that is just those simple habits, building it up and giving yourself the space to be bad before we can be good, right? Like actually getting yeah. used to some initial adjustments, exploring what that looks like. Um, second phase for us is our repair. It's taking the time to dive into your blood work, actually understand what's happening below, below the surface a wee bit more. And that really allows us to have a bit more conversation around, and this sounds like what you're doing as well, Alex, is, mm-hmm. you know, this is actually why things are not feeling so great. Let's support this process is actually find out from a from a cellular level what's actually going on and build that body back up. So R1, R2 for us is very much a front-loading of health and taking the time to get your body back on your side, right? And it's very intentionally in that way. So we're not just starting the program with a, a new circuit or a new training regime because we need things to feel good, right? And right. and we build in from there. Like the, our, our third section is more of our restore. It's very much quality over quantity conversation. How can we make sure we can get more done in 20 minutes rather than most people do in an hour and a half from a training standpoint? So there's very much a, a space of contraction and effective movement rather than just like let's do another marathon. Yeah. <laughs> it allows us to look at that a little bit differently. And our final phase reinforce is how do we make sure it's as easy as brushing our teeth? Like how do we actually create long-term change through the habits and design of our day that allows us to make sure we keep doing it? So that's our approach in a nutshell. Hopefully that really uh, you know, that, that probably sounds like it aligns a lot with what we've talked about today. Yeah. Um, but it's that's very much been an iterative process, as you mentioned, as you heard with my story at the start. It's very much just being very curious around where those hurdles and roadblocks are for humans and how do we make sure that in this high performance space, how do we make it as easy, as simple as possible, while also inviting them to just tune in a bit more with their own mind. I love it. That's great. And, you know, for anyone listening, I think you know, those who are ready recognize that it's not a quick fix, right? And there's there's yep. layers. And so we're, you know, and I really like that your approach, you know, backs up <laughs> to the the, you know, mindset first really and and doing the digging and just allowing yourself, like you said, self compassion and the time and the space to actually heal. Understand. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. Well Ollie, thank you so much for um coming on and, and sharing is there anywhere you know people can go to connect with you specifically or yeah i think uh, about your process? If, you've, if you've stuck around this long hopefully it's been a beneficial chat um you know really i think we dove into the real nuts and bolts of true change so thanks so much alex for your questions they're amazing just getting awareness of the you know, let's not focus on nerding out on one scientific topic, which I absolutely know both of us can do, but like mm-hmm. actually making sure we can take the first step. Um, so if you want to dive a, bit, a little bit more into what we're about, I think bodyreset.online obviously is our main website would be a great place to start. Um, if you want to break this down to simple actionable steps and just uh, dip your toe in the, in the water and get an awareness of what this actually looks like applicable to you, then I think our five-day challenge on that website would be a really great place to start. We do a, meme, a female and a male-specific challenge, so it allows you to just get an awareness of some of those steps to really go through, and it's very much just habit change, behavioral change, like what are some simple things you can do every day? If you want to follow me on social or on Facebook, Instagram, uh, just search Ollie Wood or on Instagram, I believe it's Ollie Wood NZ, um, and you can absolutely follow me there as well. Awesome. And for those listening, Z is Z. So <laughs> it's not, not all of us know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all good. But uh, I'll, I'll put all that in the show notes. And um, yeah, I just appreciate you and your insight and your taking the time to share with us today. Thanks so much, Alex. It was so good to be here and I uh, appreciate the chat. It was fun. I wanted to share a few things just going into the month of March and some changes and things that might be a little different with the show. Um, One of those being I am dealing with 
life as we all do at times. Um, my mom, who's 72, fell and broke her pelvis and her collarbone back in January. And so for most of March, I'm headed to Vermont to help support her. And what that means with the show is I'm not going to be doing my usual solo shows, which totally works because I have a huge backlog of amazing interviews and some really cool people that I'm going to be sharing with you in place of that. Normally I do, you know, one interview, one solo show, all that. So that's going to change up a little bit for the month of March. But then when I come back in April, we're going to launch a new series, um, really teaching the foundations of healing and overcoming selfless syndrome and what it really takes to transform your hormones and get your energy back. So hopefully you will be excited about all of this stuff. I just wanted to give you a quick explanation and, and keep you in the loop, but I will be back officially like totally live and doing things in real time in April. And for now, I hope through the month of March, you really, really enjoy these incredible interviews that have been sitting just waiting to come out. And I'm really excited to finally go ahead and share them with you faster than I was planning on in the first place. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Selfless Syndrome Show. It is for listeners like you that I continue to show up every week to share new ideas, interviews, and action steps on rising through adversity, connecting to your intuition, getting your energy back, and balancing your hormones. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a review. You can do this on whatever platform you are joining us from. This helps us continue to grow and reach even more women around the world. Also, while I love showing up and sharing my deep thoughts with you, I'd also love to connect with you and get to know what questions you have and would like answers to. Visit www.selflesssyndrome.show, that's S-E-L-F-E-S-S-S-Y-N-D-R-O-M-E.show, and send me an email or leave me a message. I will answer your question on an upcoming episode. Again, that's www.selflesssyndrome.show. There, you can also get connected, check out previous episodes, watch video of the show, and much more. I look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, continue breaking with convention and taking action one step at a time. Mm -hmm.